standing for the reading of the God, Word of God. Take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter number 8. We have five verses of Scripture this morning to read responsively. Allow me to read the three, begin, three verses and read, read, read me please the two odd numbered verses, verses 35 and 37. I'd like to make comment on verse 34 and then we'll read, of course, uninterrupted, responsively, the last four verses. Again, that's Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 38, and reading responsively, allow me to begin. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, whosoever, that word whosoever is a voluntary choice, whosoever, will come after me, let him deny himself, let him deny himself, there's a volitional surrender. And take up his cross, take up his cross, there we see a violent action, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in, in the glory of his cometh in, in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. May God has blessed the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. And now, Heavenly Father, Lord and Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you take your wonderful words. Speak to our hearts on this second day of February 2020. May we, you, we sharpen our focus, we pray. May you be honored and glorified, we ask, in our lives. We pray this and ask you blessing on this message now. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Mark chapter 8, we're started our new year. Of course, it's only the second time I preached on Sunday morning. We started our new year with a theme, sharpening our focus in 2020. And I hope to do that again this morning and sharpen our focus on what really matters. We're taking from the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the chapter where Peter asked, the Lord asked Peter and the disciples, who do men say that I am? Some said he was Elias, come from the dead. Some said Jeremiah, some said one of the prophets. But Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He gave the great confession of faith. And then Peter went a step further, of course. The Lord had to rebuke him and said to him, get thee behind me, Satan. But I want, to notice, I want you to notice our text verses Verse 34 is a great verse. It says, and when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, I trust that you're a disciple of the Lord this morning. He said unto them, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We've made comment on that verse already. But verse 35, famous verse I know. I'm sure I preached on it several times at least, a number of times in these last 30 some years. The Bible says, for whosoever, Jesus said, will save his life, shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. The paradox. Verse 37, or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? This afternoon, in the moments of devotion, I plan on looking at Psalm 90 in a little detail. I love that psalm. I preach on that psalm probably more than any, no doubt, more than any psalm in all the 150 psalms in our Bible. 
We'll look at it again. It's some of Moses, we believe. The Bible says the days of our years are three score and ten. That's 70, in case you don't know. And if by reason of strength they be four score years, that's 80. It is their strength, labor, and sorrow. And we are, do you know it? Soon cut off. I want to ask you the question this morning as we're trying to sharpen our focus in 2020. I don't mean to burst your bubble, but this could be your last year on life or on earth. This could be your last year of life. I ask you the question this morning, in your three score and ten, which encapsulates, broadly speaking, every one of our lives, what in life really matters or what life really matters? I would submit to you this morning we could in, we make some postulate and some possibilities of what really makes life meaningful, what really matters in life. Maybe, number one this morning, maybe a life of fame. Maybe a life of fame. Now, I'm going to make a prediction this morning, and I guarantee I'm going to be right. Who do you think the greatest athlete tonight in the Super Bowl, or let me say this way, the biggest star in the Super Bowl will be not a football player, but tonight will be a basketball player. I guarantee it. And his first name is, you knew that. Last Sunday morning, Kobe Bryant and his 13-year-old daughter and seven other people got on a helicopter. You don't even need to be told the story. Everybody knows it here, whether you followed basketball or not. Kobe died at 41, famous in basketball lore for all all earthly history of the NBA. He died with a net worth of $500 million. He was a star in the, the sphere of basketball. In fact, most people don't realize this. If you're not a follower of, of basketball or an avid foot, or basketball fan, you probably don't know that Saturday night in Philadelphia, a fellow by the name of LeBron overtook Kobe for the second all-time leading scorer in NBA history. Kobe's made 220, or made, excuse me, past tense, made $221 million playing basketball. His highest paid season was $25.2 million. He made $221 million playing basketball, but he made more money than that in endorsements. Nike's good. A guy by the name of Shaq called him the greatest Laker that's ever played the game. Now, if you're not a sports fan, that's a pretty big accolade. Uh, tonight's Super Bowl, he'll be eulogized, and I'm sure beginning middle and end of it, and I'm sure of it. The question that's been asked this week, I heard it myself, is Kobe Bryant playing basketball in heaven? People are wondering about that. Is Kobe Bryant playing basketball in, in heaven? I uh, thought early on in the week, I thought it'd be smart. Like I've had funerals for people, if they had been in church on Sunday morning, they'd be alive today. No, no joke, seriously. And I thought, you know, if Kobe was only been in church on Sunday morning, he'd be alive today. But then I found out he was in church. He took communion. I think at 7 a.m. in the morning, Sunday morning. And then, of course, an hour or so later, he was in eternity, as we know. But the biggest question is not, is Kobe Bryant playing basketball in heaven Here's the question for you this morning, as we begin this morning. This, maybe you want to live a life of fame, what really matters. Would you trade your life right now, 
Would you trade your life for Kobe Bryant's life of fame right now? I was in Israel now four years ago. In February, we went to Israel, Sonny and I, and we got to go to Herod's Palace north of uh, the Sea of Galilee, maybe 15 miles or so in the tribe of Dan. The ruins are incredible. It was the Mar Largo of the day. We got to go to Masada, which is in southern Israel. There's, there's a palace, a three-tiered palace. You still see the ancient ruins of Herod. There's several Herods. Of course, this is Herod I'm referring to of, Herod, of Acts chapter 12. He was famous in this day. Everybody knew Herod's name. Like everybody, even basketball fans and non-basketball fans know Kobe's name. Everybody knew his name, and if we were to turn to Acts 12 for sake of time, we won't do it. But at the beginning of the chapter, he kills James, the brother of the Lord Jesus, with a sword. Then he imprisons Peter. He's the man. He can do anything he wants to. And in Acts chapter 12, verse 21, it says of Herod, And upon a set day Herod, arrayed, pardon me, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne, and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout, saying, It is the voice of a God, and not of a man. Acts 12, 23 reads these words, And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him, because he gave not God the glory. And he was eaten of worms, and gave up the ghost. Last Saturday night there was a celebration in Philadelphia, as Lakers played the Sixers. And when LeBron, I'm a little bit of a basketball fan, made that 19th point. He overtook Kobe. They stopped the game. I didn't see the game, but I guarantee you they stopped the game. I guarantee you they got the basketball, and it's in LeBron's house probably right now. It's going to be in a Hall of Fame somewhere. The basketball that shot the point that vaulted him into second place in all-time NBA history for the most points ever scored. And... Kobe took third seat. Ten hours later, he was in eternity. How long does fame last? We were over at Sean and Jesse's house on yesterday afternoon, and they live in New Hartford, just five miles from here, up on the hill, off of Town Hill Road. And uh, I said to Sean, we were sitting there in his living room, and I says, uh, now you know Efren Zimbalist Jr., you know who he was, right? He had no clue. Now, a little test here. If you're 50 years of age and older, how many remember the name Ephraim Zimbalist Jr.? If you're younger than 50 years old, how many of you know the name Ephraim Zimbalist Jr.? That's what I thought. He was his neighbor. He lives a mile. They live a mile from Ephraim Zimbalist Jr.'s home. He was only a longtime star of Sunset Strip. You all remember that. No, only us old folks remember that. The FBI, Maverick. He just died in 2014 at 94 years of age. Sean didn't know that his neighbor was Efren Zimbalist Jr. Lost in history. Some of you young people are looking at me. What was that name again? Efren Zimbalist <laughs> I ask in all kidding, all soberness, in the end of your life, how much does the life of fame, popularity, really, really mean? Even if you have your name on millions of T-shirts, how long is that going to last? Does it really matter? I'm asking the question this morning as we sharpen our focus in 2020. What's the life worth living? Is it a life of fame? Maybe you say, well, preacher, I don't think I'll ever be famous, but I can be 
I can amass a fortune. How about a life of fortune? A life of fortune. Tonight, I might as well, I used to try to hide on Super Bowl Sunday. I used to pretend like there wasn't a game on, but everybody knows there's a game on, so no sense in trying to hide it. I'm going to watch it. I'm not a stick in the mud. I might watch the whole thing, as a matter of fact. Maybe not the halftime, but anyhow, I'll watch the whole thing. And uh, there's going to be an $11 million 60-second ad on television tonight. A political ad by a fellow by the name Michael Bloomberg. He's painted for the commercial himself out of his pocket. He's in his quest at 78 years of age to be the, become the Democratic presidential candidate to run against President Trump this fall. He's never been on the debate, debate uh, panel one time of the Democrats one time, but he plans on taking the Democratic nomination for president. He, he could be a race between Michael Bloomberg is worth, according to Forbes magazine, over $60 billion, that's with a B, $60 billion. He's a high-class billionaire. He's a white guy, by the way, a white, high-class billionaire running on the Democratic ticket for president of the United States. He's running against a low-class billionaire. You see, Bloomberg has $60 billion. Donald Trump's net worth went down $3 billion since he's been president. He's now worth $3 billion, $3.1 billion. He's the 715th richest man in the world. He's the 259th richest man in the United States. Now, don't misunderstand me. If you think I'm bashing riches, listen. If you could be super rich or super poor, take the former. You want, you want, you want to take, this, you want to take the, the, the former, not the latter. You see, I like to quote, I always like to insert when I start to so-called pick on riches. I'm a son of a rich man. I'm a son of a rich king. In fact, the king of kings. He that spared not his own son, Paul said in Romans 8, 32, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not also with him freely give us all things? Marilago, step aside. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to the streets of gold. I'm going to a place far better than Marilago. But I want you to know that earthly riches don't last forever. Bloomberg may not make it through 2020 without having a heart attack. Donald Trump may not make it through 2020 without having something go wrong and having a heart attack. You may not make it through 2020. Riches are for, but for a season. The, the Bible says in Luke chapter 12, Jesus gave a parable. He said, take heed in verse 15 uh, and beware of covetousness. One of the Ten Commandments, the last as a matter of fact. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, Jesus is speaking, saying, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, that's the rich man, saying, what shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, Thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up for himself treasures for, layeth up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. I'm not against having money. I'm not against having fortune. Stuart Cady built a fortune. He built something called Chick-fil-A. Uh, Steve Green, I, 
and it's Steve Green or it's Green. I can't. I think, I think it is Steve Green. There's two Steve Greens, the singer and the the uh, the billionaire that started something called Hobby Lobby. A Christian. He's still alive. He's helped fund many projects on Liberty University's campus, and he built a half billion dollar Bible museum next to the Smithsonian Institute in Washington D.C. He's done some great things with his money. I'm not against living, having a fortune on this earth, but I want to remind you all that you can't take it with you. That earthly riches don't last forever. I'm asking you, going back to refocusing, I'm asking you what really matters. Maybe a life of fame? That would be good. I'd rather be famous than infamous. Living a life of fortune? I'd rather be rich than poor. But in the end, none of us can take it with us. You say, preacher, don't worry. I promise you, my name will never be in lights. Well, none of us probably in this room would say we'll ever be famous. If you say, preacher, I promise you, I'll never be rich. I'll never be, I have a massive great fortune. Maybe many of you would like to, including myself, but probably it's not going to happen. Nothing wrong with it if it does, if you put God first. But you say, I can't be famous. I can't be, I can't, uh, be rich or uh, have a fortune. But maybe I can at least have a life of, well, I mean, after all, what really matters. But how about a life of fun? How about a life of enjoyment? Now, there's many forms of fun in life. Ecclesiastes, the preacher of Solomon, we believe, he said it this way, Then I commended mirth, and Ecclesiastes 8.15 I'm reciting. Then I commended mirth, because a man hath no better thing under the sun than to eat and to drink and to be merry. For that shall abide with him of all his labor all the days of his life, which God giveth him under the sun. We call it the Epicurean lifestyle. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Budweiser put it in the commercial. I'm sure it was a Super Bowl commercial. You only go around once in life. So go for all the gusto you can get. Nike just made it real simple. Just do it. Live life for the now. Live life for the here and now. We only get our three score and ten. We only get four score at best, most of us. So just live for enjoyment. Another guy died this Thursday, I guess. I thought he died Tuesday, but he died Thursday. And one of our neighbors, Photos Dulas is his name, or was his name, excuse me. 52 years old, age, he had a house. I saw the house for the first time on television on Friday in Farmington. He has a house in, it's not a house, it's a mansion. Or he had a, he had a mansion Another mansion in New Canaan. Photostulos, accused of killing his wife Jennifer, 50-year-old Jennifer, with, I believe, six kids. He was Greek-born, educated in Greece in his high school childhood and in high school years. He came to Massachusetts, got a degree, became a builder, financer, built a number of houses and so forth. And uh, he spent his years, I saw a picture of him, I finally looked at him in a detailed picture. He looked a pretty good-looking guy for 52 years of age and in shape and so forth. He left a note in his house that he didn't do it. He didn't, in other words, kill his wife, Jennifer, who in his trial, according to his lawyer, is still going to go on. Who knows if it's going to go on. And, and in America, you're still, proven in, you're still innocent until proven guilty. I mean, I have my guesses, but I do just guesses. Who will never really know this side of glory. But I ask you the question, you see, all he wanted to do was enjoy life. 
Nothing wrong with enjoying life, by the way. Jesus said, I'm coming to them, I have life and have it more what? Abundantly. Nothing wrong with having a quiet and peaceable life. Nothing wrong with trying to enjoy life, enjoying your family, enjoying your career and so forth. It's nice to go to work to a place where you don't feel like you're working at, that you enjoy what you're doing. But we, many of us spend our lives as earthly, in our earthly life, in, especially in our earlier years, in pursuit of a, just attaining a great career. I always get in trouble when I start down this road, but I'll start down it anyhow, knowing that I might get in trouble. I don't want to get in trouble, but here goes. We're going to have another debt balloon or a debt crisis in our country. It's called the student loan debt crisis that's going to happen. We got kids going to college, racking up $200,000 worth of debt to be a whatever you fill in the blank. They end up working in Burger King for $10 an hour. They got $200,000 of debt to pay back. Don't get mad at me. The goal is to get a great career. And I'm not against education. I'm not against a great career. It's, once again, better to have a great career than a non-great career, right? It's better to do something you enjoy than something you don't enjoy. It's better to have a high-class job than a low-class job. I'm not downing it. Fotis evidently wanted all of that and more. I like the bumper sticker because it is, at least it's honest and it's always on the back of expensive pickup trucks. He who dies with the most toys wins. Yeah. Well, you win something. We were passing, a, we were buying a, Tim Butler and I were in a car together the other day and a few days ago and we saw a real nice pickup truck. He said, Pastor, you know how much those things cost? And I says, oh, I know they're for dollars $60,000. He said, try seventy or 80000 You're kidding me. And uh, a lot of money. A lot of money to spend. Nothing wrong. I hope you have a $100,000 car. Have be my guest. But happiness is not life of fun. It's not in a great career. It's not simply just to, uh, our life's not simply just spent to enjoy it. There's a misnomer that's in Christianity today, and I can't get off on this rabbit trail other than just give you a soundbite and give you a question. But we have a nuance of feel-good Christianity in our Christian churches today, especially in America. Tell people what's positive. Tell people what they want to hear. Tell people what makes them feel good and improves their life. These verses in our text, not necessarily in the earthly scheme of things, in the, in the transcendental or rather the temporary scheme of life, are the, they're productive to overcoming abundant and exciting life. You see, there's loss along the way. Solomon concludes back in his book of Ecclesiastes, 34 times, I believe, he says, vanity of vanities. All is vanity, saith the preacher. What am I saying to you? I'm saying you can live a life and try to try for fame. Most of us will never get there. We can all try to live for fortune, and most of us will never get there as well. We can all try to live for fun in whatever version of fun, Epicurean version or nice, quiet, peaceable version of life with a Christian cloak around it. We can live that way if we want to, but in the end... Doesn't really matter. I hesitate to do this. I think it's the second time I've quoted a rock song in 34 years. I've probably done more than that, but here goes anyhow. In 1978, the rock group Led Zeppelin wrote a song and popped in my head the other day. I had to Google it and I had to see what it said because I remembered the line. In the middle of the song, it said these words. Here's the, here's the lyrics. And yesterday I saw you kissing tiny flowers. 
But all that lives is born to die. They got that right. And I say to you that nothing really matters. And all, I, all you do is stand and cry. I don't know what to say about it when all your ears have turned away. Oh, don't you know how mama said, mama said, that's the way it's going to stay. Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters to me. How many million Americans of the 340 million Americans we have on planet Earth right now or something like that? How many Americans are living a life in a quest for fame, in a quest for fortune, a quest for fun? But I, I know about all three of these, although in and of themselves it's not bad to be famous, it's not bad to be rich, it's not bad to, be, to have an enjoyable life. None of that's bad. In fact, it's all good. But in the grand scheme of things, here's what I know. All three of these life plans, if I could use that phrase, have only, at best, a temporary value. You see, James 4 Verse 14 makes it succinctly known. For what is your life? It is even but a, do you know it? Vapor that appears for a little while and vanisheth away. We're here today, gone tomorrow. You get your three score and ten, maybe. Probably for most of us. You might get four score. You may get a little more. But in the grand scheme of things, you get a little bit more, a little bit less, or thereabouts. Regardless, we're all going to be dead before we hit probably 100. So I asked you a question that really matters. So let's go back to our text for a few moments that we have. Verse 34 again. The Lord said on the heels of correcting Peter, told him to get behind him, Satan. He said, He said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. And follow me. What matters most in life? Jesus said, he started off by saying, and take up his cross. We think the cross is a beautiful thing. The cross is an ugly, horrific thing. No one wants to die on the cross. It's the most hideous, terrible death that there is. But on the cross, on the cross, it was on the cross where I first saw the light. And the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I'm happy all the day. You see, Jesus pointed men to the cross. He hadn't gone there yet. But it matters most, not that you're famous, not that you're a massive fortune, not that you have fun, but what matters most is that I am saved, that I've been born again. For what shall profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give? In exchange, a rhetorical question for his soul. The answer is nothing. Jesus said in John chapter 3 to a religious man who spent his whole life in religiosity, in Phariseeism, in Judaism, in order to attain heaven. Jesus said to him in the middle of the night, he said, Marvel not that he said to thee, ye must be born again. And I tell you, not as a Baptist preacher, not as a Christian, not as Marty Schott, and I'll tell you, as the, what Lord Jesus Christ himself said, you must be born again. You must be saved. Jesus, Nicodemus was so frustrated, flustered, so, so blown away, 
He would say later on, how can these things be? And Jesus said, Marvel not that I said to thee, verse 7 of John chapter 3, ye must be born again. Peter later on would preach to a very religious crowd, and he said, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, but the, but the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name. I ask you the question, are you born again this morning? Are you saved? Not, not do you go to church. Millions of people go to church. Kobe went to church Sunday morning a week ago. Wouldn't it be nice if everybody just went to church got you got you in heaven's door? But Jesus said, no matter what that said, except a man go to church, he, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. He didn't say that. He said, you must be born again. It matters most in your life. All of us here, I think, in this room, and we're being repetitive for a moment here, all of us, none of us will say we're going to be famous. Probably none of us will ever say we're going to be rich, earthly speaking. Probably none of us are going to say, well, I could have had more fun in life or we had an enjoyable life, but that's all good and well if you got any three of those things going for you or all three of those things going for you. But the most important thing that matters in 2020, on February 2nd, 2020, is that you're saved, that you've been born again. But not only that you've been saved, but then verse 35 once more, it says, for whosoever, Jesus uses that word whosoever three times, in, or four times actually in this passage before us, in three verses. For whosoever shall t- save his life shall lose it. For whoso- but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake in the gospels, the same shall save it. You see, it matters most that I'm saved. It matters secondly, most of you are saved, that, 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 that I am surrendered. That I'm surrendered to the Lord. Whosoever, the paradox of the Christian faith, the way up is down. The way to get is to give. The way to win is to lose. And the way to live is to die. In the resurrection chapter, Paul said, I die daily. Galatians 2, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. You know, I find out this is a daily, not day-by-day day thing, but it's hour-by-hour, minute-by-minute thing. A crucifixion of the flesh. A denial of self. Christianity is one big humble pie experience. Constantly humbling yourself, constantly dying to self and living unto him, living for others and not ourselves, living for him and not ourselves. I catch in my prayers just a sidebar. You ever catch in your prayers how much of your prayers is all about me? Lord, bless me. Lord, help me. Lord, be with my family. Nothing wrong with that. I am as guilty as anybody. But what about him? What about giving him glory? What about praying for others? He didn't pray for himself. Jesus was on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He didn't have to say, Father, forgive me. We do. But I want you to notice that I think what's most important in life in fact, I don't think what's most important in life. I know what's most important in life, that I am saved, that I am surrendered to him. And lastly, number three on our worksheet, verse 38, whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. Oh, how many times I've been ashamed of the Lord. I'm embarrassed to tell you how many times, more times than I know. You ever been ashamed of Christ? I've been there, done that. Not just as a preacher, but as a Christian many times. 
We haven't spoken up. I'm glad that even though we deny him, he never denies us. Aren't you thankful for that? This sinful and adulterous, adulterous and sinful generation. I guarantee you, here's another news flash. Here's another prediction. There'll be more people watching the Super Bowl than will be in church tonight. <laughs> There's a dumb one. They had all the churches combined together in the history of mankind, and there'll be more audience watching that Super Bowl, and I'll be one of them. Than in the house of God worshiping the Lord. And Kobe will be eulogized tonight, not Christ. But the Bible goes on to say, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he cometh in his glory of the Father with his, with his holy angels. I want you to notice that it matters most that I'm saved, that I am surrendered, but then thirdly, that I serve him. Malachi chapter 3 the second to last chapter of the Old Testament, verse 16 says, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. That's what we're doing right now in this last 27 minutes here. I've been talking to you. We're talking to one another. And the Lord hearkened unto it, and a book of remembrance was written before them, uh, written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, the Lord says, in that day when I make up my jewels. I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Then shall ye return, Malachi 3.18, and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. Right now, nobody knows your name, nobody knows my name. We're not famous. But Daniel 12.3 says, They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament and as the stars forever and ever. The world has their stars. God has his stars. So the question, we end where we began this morning. The question is not, as was asked this week, and I'm sure been asked many times and it was just assumed, is not, is Kobe playing basketball in heaven? The question is not even, is Kobe in heaven? I hope he is. I don't know. I have my suspicions. I want to be right. I'm hoping he's in heaven. But wherever he's at, if he could come back and answer a question, would the question be, yes, there's basketball in heaven? I don't think that would be the question he would ask or the statement he would give. I think, and we need not turn there, but I think he'd allude to the story of two men that both went into eternity in Luke chapter 16. One man's name was Lazarus, and he went to Abraham's bosom and went to heaven. The other man is not named by name because he's called the rich man. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, the Bible says, being in torments. The Bible says he went to hell. I didn't say that. Jesus Christ said it. It's not a Baptist preacher saying that. It's the word of God. He says, in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. And he asked that Abraham come and with a drop of water on his finger and dip the tip of his tongue with water. He said, for I'm tormented in this flame. Again, don't get mad at me. Take it up with God. He said it. I don't know where Kobe Bryant is. I'm admitting that. I hope he's in heaven. But either way, he would say what Paul and Silas said to the Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16. He would say when the question was asked, sir, what must I do to be saved? He would say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved.
Here's what I know for a fact. Only one life will soon be passed. That's your life and my life. Only what's done for Christ will last. So here's the dig and we're done. In 2020, may I sharpen my focus by living my very temporary Young people, I know we're starting another message. I'll just tell you, you have no idea how fast 61 comes. Some of you say, boy, I wish I was 61 again, preacher. <laughs> It'll come faster than you have in you blink of an eye, you'll be there. Only one temporary life will soon be passed. By living my life, my very temporary life, with earthly losses, may I sharpen my focus, let me start again, in 2020, by living my very temporary life with temporary earthly losses in exchange for eternal gains. Nate Saint, I, I, he's a hero in my book. He's a star in God's book. Most of you don't have a clue who he is, but you know who Kobe Bryant is. Nate Saint died in 1958, the year I was born. He was slaughtered. He was speared to death on the beaches of uh, Ecuador, by the Aka Indians, many of you know the story, the edge of the spear, the point of the spear. They found this Bible, blood-stained Bible. He wrote those words, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. You see, only one life, C.T. Sud said, will to assume he passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. What's it going to be? 2020, you can shoot for fame if you want to, nothing wrong with that. You can shoot for fabulous fortunes, nothing wrong with that. You can shoot to have a good life, nothing wrong with that. But what really matters is that you're saved, that you surrender your life to the Lord, that you serve him with every fiber of your being. Last night, and I promise this is the last illustration we're done, I watched the Gaithers last night on television. They were showing, they were going back and showing, some of you don't know who the Gaithers are, shame on you. <laughs> we just sang Bill Gaither's song. He sang it for the first time at a Billy Graham crusade. Uh, for the first time at Billy Graham Crusade in 1972 in front of 80,000, 100,000 people. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. And uh, he had sing with him, as they were singing that song, a guy named uh, Cliff Barrows, another guy by the name of George Beverly Shea, you old-timers know what I'm talking about, came to the pulpit. George Beverly Shea would sing that song. He just died a few years ago, almost made it to 100, sang in the Billy Graham Crusades for 60-plus years. His favorite song was, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have his than be, have riches untold. I'd like to sing those verses in just a moment. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. <coughs> Lord, Lord, we just don't pray for the Kobe Bryant family. We pray for the other seven people that were killed as well. We, Lord, we don't really even pray for them because their destination is already sealed, but we pray for their family members. We pray that people would be drawn to Christ, not to Kobe. We pray that people might look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, I pray for a spirit-filled ears right now, Lord, for Christians that have received Christ as Savior. May we sharpen our focus this morning once again. Remember what's important in life. Lord, help us to be saved. Help us to surrender. Help us to serve. Lord, if you give riches, someday it'll come anyhow. Someday we'll shine as the stars forever and ever. We'll enjoy life and enjoy you forever and ever and ever.
Lord, help us to sacrifice now the, the, help us not to sacrifice the permanent on the altar of the immediate. Help us now to lose so that we might win, give that we might gain, die that we might live. Pray you bless in our moments of invitation in Christ's name we ask. Amen. As we stand together, 391 it is in the handbook.